I think that I will start off with this because it's something that Laurel sang in the Yahweh song that they wrote. Um, and she really was quoting uh, Luke 12, 31 and 32 that says, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and all things that you need will be added unto you. But do not fear, little flock, for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You know, we have the same thing quoted in, in Matthew 6, 33, this, this mentality like of not striving, not being motivated by fear in this life but being secure in how much God actually loves you and the purposes and plans that He has for you to live through you in this world. And um, that we can actually align ourselves with Him just in our priorities by seeking His, His kingdom purposes first in our life. It causes the very things, the promises of God, the things that He knows we need to actually come in to our life. You know what I mean? And... I love the, the Luke 12 version, which is the one she sung, because it's like Jesus tags in on the end of that, and have no fear, little flock. It's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's not something that He's on the fence about, you know what I mean? That He's, he's deciding what, 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 what we earn, you know? It's like, hey, come into the understanding of how good I am towards you, and that my heart is to, is to give you your, your, the inheritance of a son, and a daughter in this life for you to actually illuminate or, or to, to manifest heaven everywhere you go in your very life but also as a light to other people and I remembered um, in my life when I was a kind of a young believer I think I was like maybe like three years in three or four years into the into the walk and I had seen maybe even to a lot of my friends and like people that knew me that I grew up with and stuff, maybe that I had burnt a lot of bridges, you know, I left a lot of op opportunity, you know, I, you know, scholarships and all these different things to go on this path of life. Once I became a Christian, that seemed so very um, strange to so many people, you know, and, and it was like a completely different path and a completely different walk than even I had seen myself walking, but I basically left my old life, sounds just like most of our Christianity, right? And chose to like, the Lord is my shepherd, like that whole thing, like for him to direct my path. And so I found myself living like, you know, I, I had went to school, I, 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 had, I, had, I, was inter I had interned at a church, a very small church up in the mountains of North Carolina, a little city called Moravian Falls, uh, up in the hills and in the, in the, in the mountains. And, but sometimes it would set on me it's like okay i'm stepping into this phase of my life where there naturally some things should kind of start to be happening for me you know i shouldn't just be this guy with long hair down to down to my belt almost you know what i mean living in the woods you know i don't have anything to show for this you know but it, you know that kind of the pressures of this world but i mean i was diligent and i was serving at the church and i was i was just it was a very um unconventional path that i seemed to have taken but I had given everything and sought the kingdom first with my heart and with my life. And so I was, I was coming to a season in my life where I was like, hey, like, all right, Lord, it's, isn't it time for some breakthroughs in my life to happen? Like, you know, some grown-up stuff to start kicking in, you know? And I had a job and stuff. I wasn't just like living in the woods or something, right? You know what I mean? Um, but I remember being somewhat discouraged I've sought first the kingdom. Was I wrong? Like, where are these things that are supposed to be added to my life that you know I kind of need to grow up as a man? You know, I was in my early 20s. And um, 
I had this dream one night that I was, I, was, I was stopping on this journey that I was on at a gas station to fill up, to get some gas. And as I was walking in, an old friend of mine whose name was Jeremiah literally walked up to me and he gave me one bill. Um, but it wasn't a 20 or a 5 or a 10, it was a $12 bill. You know, has anybody ever seen one of those? Yeah, me neither. So, because they're not real, that's why. Um, so he gives me this $12 bill and I'm just like, thanks. And I knew that it was something that was being given to me to, to fill my tank, to, to continue on my path. Because I was kind of starting to wear thin in my walk. And, or not in my walk, but I was just in my hopes. Like, okay, like, where are some of the practical things that you're going to come through with? And um, so I remember waking up, and, and I wasn't always the, the sharpest interpretive you know, knife in the drawer, so to speak. But somebody named Jeremiah... So there's a, there's a hint of something in the Bible. Gives me a $12 bill, and it was just one twelve. So he gives me this one twelve. Here's a 12. And so I thought, well, I'm going to go and look up Jeremiah 1, verse 12, you know. So I come home, or I wake up, and I end up kind of looking at that. And it says, Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, I am ready and active watching over my word to perform it. And it was this token in my life, like, hey, buddy, like, you've sought first the kingdom, you've lost a lot of friends, you've stepped out of your, you know, a, a lot of your, your, your five-year plans, so to speak, to seek my will. And I had a lot of really cool things happen. I had a lot of cool opportunities to travel and minister and stuff like that. So I wasn't just like, you know, living in rags. I mean, I was, I dressed poorly just because I was kind of a, a trashy person, but not, not because I didn't have money to buy things, right? Um, uh, so, but it was this encouraging word from the Lord that it's like, hey, I'm, I'm watching over the word that I've spoken to you. Like, I, I am more diligently watching over those things to bring them to pass than, than even you're like, hey, by the way, when is it your time to come through on some practical things in my life? And um, it's funny, um, you would think like, well, that's kind, of, that's kind of weird, you know? It's a weird way to open up a, a church service. I, I will admit that. Maybe not ours, but, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where like, so you mean God could speak to you through a dream or the sim symbolism of pictures and things like this. And, and it's funny because Jeremiah 1 is, is a story about that. You know, Jeremiah 1, when Jeremiah first be becomes a prophet, you know, God actually tells him before I formed you in the womb, I actually knew you. And Jeremiah's like, I'm not that guy. And he says, yes, you are. I know you, the ancient way, which is what Jeremiah ends up writing about in Jeremiah 6, which they were singing as well today. But it's like, I actually knew you. And so Jeremiah's first word, that, this prophetic word that he actually gets about being courageous, but he says um, in Ver Jeremiah um, 1, verse 11, it says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me. So this is Jeremiah's like inauguration into being a prophet, this, this vision that he's going to have. The word of the Lord comes and, and shows him something. And you're, you're like, all right, this is going to be good. He's told me I'm a prophet. I'm going to get this cool stuff. And, Jeremiah, and, and the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. That was the first, <laughs> that was the first vision of Jeremiah the prophet. Like, I got to show you something. Yes, Lord, what is it? And it's just like this, this branch of an almond tree. To which Jeremiah just says, I see the branch of an almond tree. 
And then the Lord says, and he speaks that word that I just shared with you guys, you have seen well, for I am diligently watching over my word to bring it to pass. And um, to us in the English language, we kind of read through stuff like that and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But um, here's the Lord speaking to Jeremiah and that word that he, that he says, what do, what do you see? I see a shalkade is an almond branch. And the Lord says, you have seen well for I have shalkad, which is, means I am watching over diligently my word to bring it to pass. And it's funny that the Lord gives him this prophetic picture for his first vision. You know, Jeremiah, one of the greatest prophets of all time, writes a big chapter in the Bible. His first, his first word is an actual strange thing like a branch from a tree. And God is using a, a, rhyme, a play on words, a rhyme, in order to give him this encouragement. But he's also teaching him his language. Because God is spirit, and those who worship him do so in spirit and truth, yeah. And so, so many times, even like me in that time of my life, being a young believer, and I'd had a lot of experiences and things, um, but he was broadening my language to speak to me, to cause me to dig into the Bible, to cause me to see this story come alive. To see, you know, have you ever heard the phrase, um, a picture is worth a thousand words, you know? And so many times, the ways of the Spirit, the way of the voice of God, which leads us into all truth, that leads us into the doors of our life, He comes and He speaks encouragement. And sometimes, at least in the Bible and in my life, that confirmed it was like it's through pictures or symbolism or something like this that He's actually trying to get something across. And was it the encouragement that, hey, I'm watching over these things to bring them to pass? Like, absolutely it was. So I was in that, and I remember in that phase of life, it was, I, I had a trip coming up and this wasn't like a ministry trip. I was going to um, Puerto Rico with a couple of my, the homies from the, the neighborhood I grew up with, you know? And so I'm from Florida. And so I was coming from North Carolina back to Florida to go to Puerto Rico. And I was still in that, fra- in that phase of life of being a little bit frustrated, of kind of waiting. I know there's something else for me to step into, but I'm, it's not here yet. I know the Lord's speaking into it, you know? And uh, we go to Puerto Rico. We have a pretty good time. We said, a lot. It was like Hawaii down there. It's like the hidden Hawaii. If you didn't know that, it's pretty cool. But anyhow, so we go to Puerto Rico and fly back to Florida, Orlando, where we're all kind of from, before I'm going back to North Carolina. And on the flight home, we're standing in, in the, I think it was the San Juan Airport of Puerto Rico, and I'm standing in this long line, and I hear the Lord speak something into my spirit, just like kind of like a, kind of uh, just like gently to me. I want you to, I want you to speak. I have something for you to tell to the person that's going to be sitting next to you on the flight. To which my first thought was like, ah, I'm not in this, I'm not in the frame for this, man. You know, I'm not in the, and that's awkward. You know, it's a short flight to Orlando, maybe an hour and a half, but it's like, ah, oh, I don't want to sit some, strike up a religious conversation and, oh man, you know, it could, it could be awkward. So uh, that's my first attitude, to be honest. That's how spiritual I was feeling that day. But what I did was I took a breath and I looked up at the ceiling at the San, San Juan Airport and I just took a deep breath and just like closed my eyes and I kind of like to ask like, what, what would you like to say? Some, some encouraging, you know, maybe a scripture or something like that, whatever it is. And as I did, I, I instantly kind of like Jeremiah, I see a picture of the branch of a tree, but it's an apple tree and somebody's picking an apple. And to be honest, the attitude that I was in at that moment was like a, a pretty hot like eye roll, like, oh gosh, you know what I mean? I can't 
sit next to somebody on a plane and say, hey, I, I, I asked for God to tell me something and he showed me a mental picture and this is what it means. It just, I'm a very much, I'm a very real person. I'm very normal. You know what I mean? Um, you know, charismatic church, whatever. It's just like, that's just not my line. You know, I'm, I'm pretty normal, right? And so like, uh, even that was very uncomfortable for me. So I get on the plane. I know he's kind of loaded me with something. I, I believe that he wants me to tell somebody that they're the apple of his eye, which, again, a dude, it's awkward. It's just a strange, I feel like that's the vision. I feel like that's the picture. I'm like, we'll just see. So I sit down, and, and, and the good thing was I got bumped to an exit row because I'm pretty tall if you didn't notice. So I was like, yeah, I got the exit row, and no one was on it. So I was like, bang, you know what I mean? <laughs> Don't have to do it, you know? It's, it wasn't God. It was my imagination, you know? Um, and then... Right before as they're closing the door, this lady who's a hot mess rolls right up and sits on the exit row next to me. And I'm like, oh, you know what I mean? She's flustered. She's a Puerto Rican. Almost everybody on the flight's Puerto Rican because we're, we're in Florida and we're going back and forth Puerto Rico in December. And, um, you know, I'm from Florida, so I'm used to a very much of a melting pot compared to Texas, to be honest. But anyway, so we're sitting there. And if you have any Puerto Rican friends or family, like they're very emotional. They're very fun all the time. They are the life of the party everywhere you go. That's just the way. That's why part of the reason why Florida is so lit down there. The Puerto Ricans and Cubans, they keep it popping, you know. But um, anyhow, so this lady sits next to me and she just starts to vent fear and anxiety. And I'm a young dude and I'm just sitting there like she starts to worry about a plane, the plane crashing. It's like, hey, lady, we're on the exit row. You got to get it together. If it does, we got to pop the door open. Like, you don't even belong on the exit row. You know what I mean? Like, golly, man. And she's stressed out because she's recently married. She lives in Orlando. Her husband's on the flight after ours because they were just standby or whatever. And their whole family was down there on vacation. And they got into a fight. And she's like, I'm just, I'm just really jealous because I'm insecure. And I feel like he's looking at girls when he's really not. And so I give him a lot of stuff. But it's like, I got in this big fight. And I know it's just me being insecure. And, and I'm being so stupid. And, and if, if something happens to our flight, you know, I never get to make it right. And I'm just like, gee whiz, lady man. Come on with all this stress. You know, but I'm starting to take my shot. Like, okay, this really is the Lord to set this thing up, you know. And so I made one comment. One, one just little little tester comment pulled the God card out a little bit and, and it was just like you know I, and I just told her I was like you know it's like a one in millions and millions chance of getting in a wreck on an airplane I was like I've, I've come I've come to the opinion that like if that's the level of purpose God had for my life then like go ahead and just let it crash you know what I mean I said something like that so there be offended by that if you want but that's just what I for some reason that's just how I said it and she's like you're right God does have purpose for us and then she she kicks into religion that's why I don't like you know I don't like to be introduced as a pastor I don't like being because people kick into a gear that's like oh, okay then we're going to that right but anyhow so anyways she, she kicks into that a little bit and I was like and then I felt I felt like okay I don't want to do this I've, I've had a bad attitude for a few weeks now. The Lord's checking me on it very gently and kindly. But the Lord set this up, and I'm going to go ahead and offload this word and just release it to the lady because this is obviously really him. And I says, well, to be honest with you, I, had a, I, 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 had, I felt like the Lord spoke to me when I was still in the, ticket, in, the, in the line, the baggage line. 
and that I was to give a word to somebody who's going to be sitting next to me. And I said, and to be honest, the way I saw it, I, sometimes the Lord speaks to me in pictures for, for whatever reason. And I saw a picture of an apple tree and someone picking an apple off the apple tree. And I felt like what the Lord was saying is that you are the apple. And this, this Puerto Rican lady finished my sentence with me with tears. The apple of his eye. Like that. She finished it with, she like, you're the apple of his eye. And she starts just weeping and crying, just melting there. And I'm thinking like, I'm, I haven't been in the best headspace for probably like six, eight weeks. You know what I mean? I've been kind of not struggling with sin. I don't like to even put that kind of, I was just kind of like, what's my next move and what's my next step, Lord? All right, we've come this far. What's the next play? And so I'm seeking them and I'm not feeling anything. And I'm feeling a lot of the pressures of all my friends becoming very successful and all this stuff. And so I've been in that space. And here I am just delivering something that I thought was just stupid and insignificant. Like, you're going to make me say something dumb like that because you probably just want to embarrass me. You know, which is not how God is at all. Not at all. But it was just the attitude that I was in. And, um, but by giving this, sharing this life with her, she's breaking down crying. But then you have like three white dudes on an airplane full of Puerto Ricans. And, and, and I'm sitting next to a Puerto Rican lady that's crying real hard. You know what I mean? So I'm just kind of looking around like, hey, I didn't, this looks bad, but I didn't do anything mean to this lady. You know what I mean? This is, this is friendly. My friends are in the back, you know, doing what they were doing. Another story for another day of the plane. And, and I'm just sitting there just like, oh, man, this lady's weeping. And then she starts to share with me. My husband, as they got married a little bit later, because she was a little bit older than me. Um, she was probably in her 30s, or early 40s. But she says, when... When I married my husband, it was like a year or two before that, he sang the song, You're the Apple of My Eye, as I walked down the aisle. And I'm just sitting here thinking, like, you can't make this up. Well, you could make it up, but you'd be, a, you'd be evil for lying like this. And I'm not. But I'm just thinking, I didn't know there was a song about that. You know what I mean? And it might be in Spanish or something. I don't know. But she's telling me this. And, like, the Lord hit her with something that was so specific to his heart for her, you know what I mean? To their marriage. And she started, you're the prophet Daniel. She started saying that. I was like, no, 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 no. This is just Christianity, man. Sometimes God talks to all of us like this. He talks to everybody. This is the way this thing works, you know? And, and she's like, thank you so much. And, um, you know, it, it was a, it's, a, it's a funny story, but I was thinking about that and how the Lord spoke to me out of a, a couple verses in the Bible, one verse, 112, to encourage my heart, to give me a little bit more fuel. It's like, hey, like, I'm watching over the things I've spoken to you to perform it. And, you know, I was, because, you know, I left everything and I was living in a town of, we think this is a small town, like 120,000 people. This is like a town of like 3,000 people. You know what I mean? It's like very small, a very small amount of people and where I was living at the time. And, but I mean, within that year, you know, Nicole, I ended up meeting Nicole, my wife to be, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, I bought our first house there, like all in a year. I started a business there. All I was working at a YMCA, but you know, all these things developed for me to start. All this stuff happened that that dream was like, I'm watching over this next phase of your life to perform the good things that I've told you that I'm going to do. And it was fully true. You know what I mean? And I was at one step, one phase, stepping into another. But sometimes I feel like what's even more important 
is actually remaining connected to Him in all things. Because like our spiritual growth and our advancement, even in this life, in the Christian walk, happens as we're faithful to the issues of the heart as they come up, faithful to walk through the things of actually knowing Him and walking with Him, and ministering to the people that are around us that sometimes seem insignificant and look like they would have nothing to do with where I'm trying to go. You know? But they're, they're the most valuable things in our life. The most valuable things in our life are the people that we sit next to, that we walk by. I'm not saying that you every time you go to Brookshire's you walk around and you deep breathe and stare at somebody to try to have a vision for them and creep them out now. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying this, but at the same time, but at the same time, we're always looking to give the life and love and kindness and goodness of the Lord everywhere we go in our life. And not only that, we're cultivating our relational walk with the Lord, even sometimes when we're not feeling like we're in a good headspace, but we're staying, remaining engaged with Him. You know what I mean? We're not checking out from our walk with Him. Charismatic, I keep saying that word, it's just the word gift. It's the side of the Christian tracts that believe that God's given people gifts to actually manifest and function. And luckily for me, even though I was raised kind of going to my parents' church, was Baptist, but like luckily for me, the way I actually came into the kingdom was supernatural, so I didn't understand that there was sides to the tracks. I didn't, I didn't know there was a side that God doesn't actually even talk. Or, or it just didn't even seem, you know, r- real. It wasn't real because I experienced the opposite. So it wasn't even a question or debate that that was like actually something. Um, but Hebrews 13.8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's just like the way God talks in the Bible so many times, He's still speaking to us. And Jesus literally said, like, my sheep follow me because what? They know my voice. Yeah, they know my voice. They can recognize it. And like the Christian life, this Psalm 23, is people who are directed excuse me, by Him into every avenue and venture of their life. And even the avenues and ventures of their practical life, they actually invite Him into it. It's not that we have to hear Him to make any single decision every day, all day. It's just that, but we stay connected in such a way that He is always given precedence in our life if He wants to take a moment. It's like being in a meeting constantly where somebody has the right to tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, I've got something to say in this. You say, oh, okay. We're always ready to defer to whatever, like the, our, the platform of our life is his platform. Yeah. We're not any longer looking for a ministerial platform. The platform of our life is his platform. We've given him platform. But in doing that, he opens the doors for us to speak to things and speak to people and speak in places or release places, and sometimes it might not even be with words, but with the fruit of His Spirit, or with power, or with the giftings of the new covenant that have been given to us. You know, we've been talking so much, and I feel like we've laid this foundation for several weeks, probably for nine years, to be honest, but of just like what true biblical Christianity actually looks like. And we've gone through and we've done all the prophets, not all of them, but so many of them, Jeremiah being one, Jeremiah 31, 33, and uh, you know, Joel 2 and all these different ones about the new covenant prophesied as people who are empowered by God to release his words, to release what he says about things, whether that's through words or through actions. And so even last week, we, we literally broke down in, in a simple way 
the baptism, which was the Red Sea, you know, Israel coming out of Egypt, coming out of being slaves, to all of Egypt being swallowed and removed for them. Now they're sons. It's like a change of identity, but also the second baptism of the wilderness, so to speak, which is all one and the same for us in Christianity, but it was the Jordan River. It backed all the way to Adam, you know, um, it, but it was the baptism of empowerment. And there's this, there's this fallen mentality of the Bible that acts like we get saved or baptized as, as this, as this we're, we're promoting that we're clean and we're going to get to go to heaven when we die. And the reality of what baptism is or what real New Testament Christianity is, is our life is immersed with him in the Jordan. But when it comes up, we're now not alone. We are empowered in him to actually step into the promised land. And the promised land is not the, the golden corral, the eternal golden corral in the sky. I'm sure they'll have one up there, a golden corral or something like it, you know. But what I'm saying, um, maybe, what I'm saying is like, it's about the, the empowered ones to actually take heaven into the world. Because that, that was the Jordan River. The reason, and we've covered this, but the reason they didn't go in, everyone 20 years old and up, was because they were afraid of all the inhabitants of the promised land. All the Nephilim, all the giants, all those people, all those powerhouse, you know. Um, but when Joshua and Caleb, the last two left, with all the young who had actually grown into some maturity, were ready to go, it was, it was equally as, as treacherous, if not more, because they had been had time to multiply in the promised land. But the Jordan River baptism was a symbolic baptism that we're actually empowered by God to go in and actually route that which is there from that place. It's the Edenic mandate. It's, it's the be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. It's like be fruitful, like actually have success, multiply, grow and thrive and subdue an actual military term. To, to remove the darkness that is actually usurping, taking up place, squatting on the land it has no right to. And, and the demonic, it squats on people. It caps and limits our brothers and sisters. But the awakened mind is the, is the mind that has been baptism. It's completely crucified with Christ. It's no longer we who live, but Christ lives within us. We give Him platform, and then we go in as His platforms, as His people, everywhere we go as the imagers, with that same mentality to be fruitful and multiply and release light. Let there be light. The Father's business comes to us. Yeah. And we've been empowered to do this. Jesus says something in, in um, Matthew 16 when he's asking Peter and those guys, like, who do you say, who do they say I am? Like, who do you say I am? You know, like, some say Elijah. Some say John the Baptist is back. He's like, well, who do, you're the Christ, you know, the Son of God. And it's like, yeah, blessed are you, Peter, for, you know, Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but your Father in heaven. So it's like, it's this like God's actually, you've entered into a place where God's voice is real in your life. That's Christianity. That's the number one thing. God talks. You talk and He talks, and you guys are knowing one another. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church. These guys at church, Ecclesia, what is that even? You're talking about, a, you're going to build a new synagogue, a new religion? What are you even talking about? See, we, we have these grids because we've been in it so long, but it's like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to build something. Well, what is that? What does it do? The gates of hell won't prevail against it. That was, that was the mission statement. That was the description of what this group, this organization was. I'm going to, on this rock, I'm going to build my organization and the gates of hell that are in the earth that don't belong here, they won't stand a chance. They won't prevail against it. 
And so we can take church as a club and we can huddle and try to keep our kids from being on drugs, you know what I'm saying, and try to stay safe and hold each other accountable, all these things, so that, that hell doesn't break into our gates. But that would be Babel, the tower, that's just built straight up into the air, trying to reach heaven, and it goes nowhere. But in reality, the gates of hell won't prevail, means that the church, the ecclesia, are people who actually take ground and take land and take space everywhere they go, and they reclaim it for heaven, and they displace it. And Jordan and the promised land and the kingdom, we're not talking about Israel anymore. We're talking about heaven on earth here and now. And we're not talking about, yeah, when I'm called to this place or I'm called to this country. Like, none of that's valid anymore. You know, you've heard me say it. I'll never give money to a missionary that doesn't live the gospel where they live. It just doesn't make no sense. You don't live no Christian life where you're at, but you want to go live it somewhere else. And it's just like, well, that doesn't make sense. That's not our, that's not our, that's not this. That ain't this. When Jesus said, go and make disciples, like, that's a contagious thing. And, and we've, 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 we've reduced it to like, you won't be able to get into our gates. And it's just like, huh? You know what I mean? You know, you're going to go to hell if you don't join. And when, when the reality is like this Christian walk of life and connection to God should be so contagious. Yeah. It should touch other people. Amen. If our Christianity, if we're really living it, it's touching people around us. Yeah. It just is. It touches people everywhere. To make disciples, you know what I'm saying? Like, he didn't say that like he knew how contagious we would be in this. And he knew the giftings that he would give. I, I really wanted to do, um, and maybe we'll just touch it really shortly for today because I don't want to really be long. But there's, there's a chapter in 1 Corinthians 12 that we're going to talk about the empowerment that is Christianity, the empowerment that is the baptism, the empowerment that Jordan River actually symbolized. And there's several ones. There's Ephesians 3 and 4 and Romans 12. But I think I'm going to do just 1 Corinthians 12 just for sake of time today. But it's like, you know, worship was kind of cooking there. You know what I mean? It was kind of saucy. And some people may, may not be used to that. I'm not sure. But can you imagine what it was like when there was no grid of how it was supposed to go a couple thousand years back? Just how nuts that it got in there, honestly, and unfiltered that it was. And, and when you read a lot of these letters, especially this Corinthians letter, you, you realized how wild those services were getting. Because everyone was stepping into this redemption, even prostitutes that had shaved their heads and stuff. Like, everybody was, was stepping into this life that it was kind of like chaotic in their church services. People were like empowered with all these spiritual gifts, which every single one of us have, you know. And a lot of people were letting them fly with, with no order, with no nothing. It was just nuts. And miraculous power and things were happening. And the Apostle Paul, which sometimes we take his writings in order to shut everything down, but what he was really doing was, was writing these letters to them, like saying, hey, this stuff is really good, but like, hey, let's practice some, let's structure this, let's structure this thing a little bit. He shut nobody down, you know. The new covenant had been prophesied. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Like it, it had been said. Like the guys and girls, like this is this is going to be all, everybody's going to be into this, you know. But there's something to the giftings of the spirit that are listed in in First Corinthians 12 and several other places that that they're so rooted into a practical walk with knowing God's voice. And it and it's like I remember 
going to this big Baptist church um, in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. I mean, it's like 15,000 people, just massive, but it's a really big city. And I went there with my cousin and the, and the, the, the preacher was like, the, the minister, he had taken a sabbatical, whatever that, I think that's what, what when, when ministers take a vacation, they call a sabbatical, kind of like makes it sound cool or whatever. But so he had done that and he was coming back and he was wanting to teach about the spiritual gifts. And I was like, whoa, this is, wow, this is going to be cool. You know what I mean? Like, I want to hear about this stuff. And he went through all these, but he, he just, he, he would just like give them the title of the names of the, you know, prophecy and stuff like that, you know discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. He, just re- he just ended up reading through them and not talking about them. And I was a young guy. I was like 21 years old. And I was like, hey, what are, what are these things, man? Like, what's the deal? You know, but anyhow, so there's that. But um, not today. So now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. That's 1 Corinthians 12.1. You know that you were once Gentiles. You were carried away to these dumb idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse, and let no one say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but it's the same Spirit. There are, di- there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. It says again in, in Ephesians 4, it says it even better, I think, but I'm, I'm here right now. So, um, But the manifest of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of everyone else. To one is given word of wisdom through the same Spirit. To the other, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. You, you notice he's listing these gifts, but he's also like, hey, it's the same. This is all the same. Because people are encountering God and they're having completely different reactions. Or they're, they're gifted supernatural with supernatural ena- enablements that they didn't have before. You know? But peoples are different. Yeah. And um, to one is the word of wisdom more than knowledge, all by the same Spirit. To another, faith. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. Another, prophecy. Discerning of spirits. So you can just go through tongues, interpretation of tongues. But the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Whereas the body has many members, um, but all the members of that body being many are one. In Christ, so are we are one in Christ. For by one spirit we're baptized into the same body. It's this beautiful passage of, of 1 Corinthians 12, literally talking about all these different giftings that people have been empowered to, to walk in. And it's this, para, it's this parallel, this, this one baptism. It says it in Ephesians 4 as well. Ephesians 3 and Ephesians 4 both. But it's like this parallel, this parallel of like everybody's gone through this baptism, this immersion has left you empowered in different ways. All of you. But you're not limited to those ways. That's another catch of it. Because you know? at the very end, in, in, in verse 1231, it says, but, but earnestly desire the best gifts. It's like crave and covet after the best gifts. We don't have a problem with coveting after things in our flesh, and our natural, you know what I mean? But when the Bible tells you that you, can, you have free, free reign to actually covet after certain things, why aren't we talking about this more? You know what I mean? Well, because if you open the door to that kind of stuff, you know, you might let something in demonic. Well, Jesus said, if you ask your father for bread, he's not going to give you a, a stone. 
you know, or an egg, he's not going to give you a scorpion or a fish. He's not going to give you a snake. It's like, you're not going to let the door for things. It's like, if your father knows how to give good gifts, like the gifts that were given in the father, like Jesus was led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. This is all very profoundly supernatural and spiritual and their enablements and, and abilities that we've all been given, that we all have, dormant or not, every single one of us has them. And even sometimes when they look foolish, like an apple tree picture in your mind, you know, it can unlock somebody that's manifesting fear and security that's projected on their family and God's wanting to deal with their heart without, account, without like six weeks of counseling. You know what I mean? Just, just cut straight to the chase. And um, by somebody who's unintelligent. Amen. And I'm, 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 I'm taking that on. I, I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know how to counsel. I wasn't married. I didn't, you know, never dated a Christian girl before, Nicole. You know what I mean? It's just like, I never, you know, I never knew this whole life. But, but what I'm saying is like the Apostle Paul saying like, hey, I know that you were once carried away to dumb idols. And we think, you know, dumb, like, yeah, they're dumb, you know, but uh, dumb meaning mute. They're like, you once followed gods who did not speak to you, but now you do not. The access point is relational. It's like you have, relation, you have relationship to God, and when you realize that and you engage Him, the more you engage Him, the more that language develops. And when the language develops, He knocks on your door in situations and gives you the ability to actually walk through the door with them. These are the, abil the abilities that have been given in the Spirit. I love that 1 Corinthians 12, it's talking about these gifts and this power, but he says there's more an excellent way, and he gives us 1 Corinthians 13. That's the one you hear a lot of times at weddings. It's about love, being patient and kind and good and full of good fruits. It yields, it doesn't seek its own. You know what I'm saying? It's selfless. It's like, hey... If you, if you merge your heart with the life of the Lord Jesus and how he walked in this place through love, you see people in this way that, that triggers the giftings of the Spirit of God within you to speak directly into the life of strangers sometimes and unlock them. And you may never see them again. I don't think I'll ever see that lady again. You know what I mean? But it's like I got dozens and dozens of stories like that. And many of us do. You know what I mean? It's, it's just part of it. 1 Corinthians 14, he starts off, he says, Pursue love and, and, and desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Amen. For he who speaks in a tongue doesn't speak to men, but to God. He's building himself up, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation to men. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially. To zealously covet is some of the translations there. To yearn for, to, to, you know, to like burn with zeal for especially that you may prophesy it's like me telling one of my girls you know what i'm saying like hey there's a there's a certain gift that you're going to be getting for christmas like you might get this and this but you really should really ask for like a trampoline or something awesome like that you know what i mean it's not this just elitism thing well some people are special and they get these special hooked up things it's like hey there's there's room in the gifts of the spirit for your own personal will to be hungry for them and pursue them. Pursue love and desire earnestly, zealously spiritual gifts. That's your translation of, you know, everyone has a Bible on their phone now. Look it up. 1 Corinthians 14. None of these have gone away. There's not, as, not only is that not biblical, but it's real life experience that hasn't gone away. You know what I mean? And this is the empowerment God's given us in this baptism. I have so many more to go into, but I'm going to actually probably just try to leave it there because I think this has been 
been enough. But it's like this is kind of our intro. There's this. There's so many. You know, we, we've talked about the charismatic church and, and and being a church that believes in the supernatural and the giftings of the spirit, but in such a biblically based way that it's walkable and practical and even trainable. And Ephesians four goes into talking about how like we're actually supposed to be trained and equipped in this stuff. Like this is like. It's like, what is this, some type of Jedi school that the Bible's talking about? Like, no, like, that's what actual church looks like in the Bible. Train and equip in them until everyone goes to the full measure of Christ, the, like the fullness of what Jesus walked in. That's, it's like, I don't see us being there right now. You know, I know I'm not, you know what I mean? So imagine the church actually training and equipping and growing and fellowship and, and truth and reality and relationship to the body in relationship to the Lord first and foremost, most developing this language to the place where we're effective everywhere we go. You know what I mean? Imagine raising, imagine having a body of people that actually just believe the actual Bible. Maybe that's us, I guess, you know what I mean? That actually hears the Lord's voice and even when it doesn't benefit us, not one single bit are ready to release the life, light, uh, flow and words of God in any situation. Like, that's where we're called to be. Um, one of my points, I'm skipping over a whole section, but one of my points was the Holy Spirit is wanting to lead us into positions of fruitfulness and success in this life. Right? And He wants to minister through us and introduce, use us to introduce people to Dad. To the reality that Dad actually loves and cares about them. Because that stuff right there, it's, it is the anti-venom of the poison of the fall. Everything that's been pinned against who God is, it is the release of the, the anti-venom of the love of God that even when it's released in a small dose, spreads through their being. You know, The Word of God, it never returns void. You know what I'm saying? It's like everything we release that's, that's found in Him towards others connects. Another, another portion of the point was that our life should be contagious. And contagious in many ways in the, in, the, in the word contagious. You know, Jesus told us to make disciples and this is actually how it's done. He's given giftings. He's given, and we'll probably break these down and start to teach them in more kind of practical and simple ways because there's so many and we've just kind of done a superficial cover of them um, today. But the reality of 1 Corinthians 12 too, like, hey, we were once carried away to idols that are dumb. The definition of religion is serving a God, one of, who, who doesn't have a voice, you know, without relationship at all. It's like you might find yourself just in the machine. That's the case. But our God's not a machine. You know, He talks and He speaks into the issues of our heart. And He's constantly encouraging us to actually seek His kingdom first and align with Him in all things. And even when it looks like, how is this going to play out and work out? It's just like, man, it will. Somebody told me something. I met with a guy who wanted to meet with me this week. Uh, man, he, he, his analogy was like, it, it's, it's like a, it's not like a canoe, it's like a rowboat where, where basically you, you kind of face backwards. And I thought, ah, that kind of works a little bit. But so many times the plans of God can be seen so much better once you've actually just agreed to obey and follow Him in this life. And then when you look back, for me looking back for 15 years, and I, and I look back and I'm just like, wow, look how everything played out. 
it's just like, man, you really make a mistake living like that. Now you're going up in the mountains and now you're just living with some small weird little church. And it's like, you know, it's just like, I mean, I, now you're working at the YMCA doing dumb stuff. It's like everything I did for my jobs, my career, the amount of money I ended up being able to make through training, through having our own company, you know, marrying a, a girl that's pretty hot in my opinion. And, you know, on, on the top of that, you know, it's like, has the same heart as me to be down for this. And so then we've done this as a team and she's opened a salon here in town. And like, it's like everything we do is in partnerships. Like she's fully vested in this house the way I am. Like we both lead the whole thing side to side and back, you know, back to back. And we're doing all this thing. She's down to move, you know, you know and, and let's start a church where, where we just do a Bible study and we don't, we leave our job, my job and, and we'll just, we won't even advertise ever, you know what I'm saying? We'll just do word of mouth, and it's just like, well, how will people show up? They, I don't know, man, but that's the way I feel like God would do it, you know what I'm saying? We'll just do it like that, you know what I'm saying? And now, and now I look back and say, like, wow, a lot of this done worked out. You know what I mean? It's worked out so far, you know what I mean? I mean, I'm, there could be a meteorite coming right for our house in a week, you know? Don't want to be too hopeful, but it's like, no, like, but that's, that's, that's the way we think about God. It's like his, hand, his plans are for hope in the future and we follow him like, well, he's going to teach me a hard lesson. Like, no, that's the poison of the fall. Now it's, now it's a joke. But in reality, a lot of people think that way. A lot of people think something's coming. Something's coming. They have a, a few good weeks and it's like something bad's going to happen probably now. Like, okay, you know, that's one way to live. You know what I'm saying? Or the empowered way, which is the Holy Spirit, which is true Christianity. Jesus was talking about your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He was talking about His Spirit. Jesus is talking about heaven on earth. Jesus is talking about giving good gifts, not a scorpion instead of an egg. Your Father gives good gifts. He was talking about Christianity, not Spirit-filled Christianity. There is no other Christianity than having the, your life crucified with Christ. You're completely and fully redeemed. There's, there's nothing else to check. You know what I mean? You're fully walking in a wholeness walk, you know? Hebrews 10, he is sanctified. He is perfected forever, those who are being sanctified. So there's a little, you know, we're walking the thing out, but at the, on the same time, man, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is with us and he's never against us. Maybe that'll be another time. It was going to be today, but, you know, I've got a lot, a lot of words in this one tonight, so today. But, you know, it, it's something there, man. It's, it's something there. Uh, my last thing that I, I I'll close with, I promise I'm closing, is I felt like that there was a word for us today. And um, it's something... John the Baptist really walked in the uh, fulfillment of, you know, the prophecy about him and the voice that would say, create space, make way in the wilderness, make way where there is nothing. Make way where there is nothing for the kingdom, you know. Um, not make way on top of the mountain or in the biggest city or whatever. It was just like, make way where there's nothing and I will fill it with something. Open your mouth and I will fill it. And, and the word that I felt like that I had for you guys today was a really encouragement um, for you to make space. And he will fill it. I felt, I felt um, even even him telling me to draw them, draw them to connect with me. You do your job for the day. Draw them to connect with me. You know. And I felt his heart in it. And it's just like make space, like in your office. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about after lunch. You know, um, a few minutes of space in your day. You know, when you step out, just tell them, you're, you know, you know, whatever, you're having a little break or whatever, like five minutes before you go to bed, you know, whatever. I'm not talking about like, oh, you got to read, you got to read all day, brother, you know what I mean? Wake up at six, you know, 
4.30 and start to pray, you know, that's fine too. Discipline's good. But what I'm saying is like it's not in a religious way. But I'm saying make space and He will fill it. Make time. Make time for Him and He's going to fill it up. I feel this and I felt it last week. There's, there's such a wooing and a drawing of the Lord into this walk right now. I just feel it so strongly. Even from people that have walked within the systems for so, for so long too. It's just like there's such, a, there's such a, a hint of like there's more. There's such a hunger that's, that's burning in people. And all we, must, all, all we do is make space for something that's very real. And He fills it up. All we have to do is show up. You know, short increments. Five minutes when you're done with work before you leave, just to just air out and breathe and just say, what do you got going on? You know, might be something strange or random, but I know those things are valuable. So, Lord, we thank you um, for this day. We thank you for the, you know, the buffet that we ate today, just a bunch of different things. But it's like, you know, I thank you that your word is true and that your voice, like you're a God who speaks and you're not mute. And I thank you for the reality of how, the level of relationship you've called me and everybody here to have with you, that we could step into such a level of fellowship and communion and communication with you that opens the doors of this life, that actually unlocks our brothers and sisters who we didn't even know we were related to, strangers, that unlocks the purposes and plans of our life in this, in this temporary aspect of life. We want to be a people who give you a platform everywhere we're at. That it's not about our stance and our beliefs, but we yield to your, to your voice and give you a platform everywhere we're at. We want to be effective in spreading the reality of the light of heaven. Amen.